What is up, Cowboys Nation, and welcome to Inside the Cowboys. I'm your host, John Williams, and joining me for a very special post-NFL draft recap from the Ben and Skin Show on 97.1 FM, The Eagle, and the About Them Cowboys podcast on The Athletic is Kevin Turner. KT, thanks for taking the time to come back on the show and talk the NFL draft. Absolutely, man. Good to join you again. First of all, just give me your overall feeling about how the Cowboys did this weekend. My overall feeling would be in one word or in two words. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, looking like air five through the phone. Even That's right. I'm not supposed to do high fives anymore, right. I guess. Air but... five and chest bumps and. Yeah. Yeah, you know. It's, uh, I, uh, you know, um, you know the movie Wedding Crashers? Yes. You know the scene where Will Ferrell's kind of introduced, his character's kind of introduced, and Owen Wilson is kind of asking questions like, wait, you, you go to these. Like you crash funerals, you're a legend, and Will Ferrell's got both hands in the air, and he's kind of <laughs> doing the slow up and down number one type thing. Right. That's kind of how I felt as a you know for the Cowboys draft. It was incredible. Yeah, and as soon as the the very first pick came off the board, um, you know, and and you know, I heard your 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 comments on this on the About Them Cowboys podcast. But when we got to C.D. Lamb, or we got to 17, and we're sitting there with C.D. Lamb still on the board. I'm going back and forth, and I'm looking through my my Twitter account, and I'm seeing that I'm, I don't believe that they're going to take him. It's just it's not going to happen. The, this is not the Dallas Cowboys kind of a, kind of a pick. They're going to go with Clavon Chason because that's what they need, and and he'd be a great pick there too at 17. That's that's not to discount him at all. And then they make the pick, and the first thing I think is Will Ferrell from old school punching the cereal boxes in the in the grocery aisle. <laughs> As a as a OU fan, I was absolutely ecstatic, just thrilled beyond belief that they took arguably the best wide receiver in the class and somebody who can help them immediately. You know, looking back, I felt a little uh, a little foolish with the way I kind of talked about the draft leading up to it because you know this year's draft is just going to be so different than the last few years. So when they you know when things kind of fell into place there. And you had the, the opportunity to take both of those guys. You know, it started hitting me. I was like, man, I didn't talk about the draft the right way in the months leading up to it because I kept going, there's no way this guy will be there. There's right. no way this guy will fall to you. It's actually, actually not that many moving parts had to fall. You know, it wasn't right. like five things needed to happen to get one of these guys. You mm-hmm. just need a couple things to happen. And, and if you think about it, not even all four quarterbacks went before the Cowboys picked at 17. So I was kind of – regretting the, the way that I talked about him, uh, you know, talked about the, the draft going into it. What I will say is, though, A, you know, props to, to Will McClay and, and, and even Stephen Jerry for for doing what they did all weekend long, but focusing in on that one, I don't think they would have taken Javon Kinlaw, but if, uh, there was a point when the, when the Saints and uh, Bucks made that trade, the four players on the board were Kinlaw, Chase on Jerry, Judy, and C.D. Lamb, and I just thought they were in so much love with Chase on, and they needed pass rush so much. I just kind of thought they would draft for need because we've seen them do this. Mm-hmm. Take need, and Taco's an example of that. Taco fit a need; he fit what they thought was their style of defense, and they knew they could get cornerbacks later. Well, they knew they could get wide receivers later, but. I think the point comes in, we can talk about wide receiver depth in this draft all day long, but that doesn't mean anything until you draft that guy. And I'm sorry, I can't talk about that until Friday or Saturday. 
CD Lamb just fell into my lap. I mean, you got you got to go. I, I think my my analogy that I've used on some other platforms is like, hey, I'm going to take my dog out for a walk, and hey, I look, I found a twenty dollar bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how many times does that happen? It rarely ever happens, and it did on Thursday night. So you got to take CD Lamb. So I was very pleased that they did that. Yeah, just waiting for the the pick to come in, I got just incredibly nervous because I was so excited that he made it there. Because like you, I just had zero belief that CeeDee Lamb was going to be available for them at 17. And when he got there, I just, I don't know, kind of got butterflies. And that's the first time I feel like I've felt that over a draft pick. Um, And some of that comes from my OU fandom, but just some of that just comes from watching the guy play. And He's just dynamic. Whether he catches the ball, you know, five yards from the line of scrimmage, or he catches it downfield, he just makes things happen. And I'm just really excited to see how Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are going to incorporate him into an offense that has arguably one of the best trios of wide receivers in the NFL now. Yeah, you know, one thing that I was saying before the draft was I thought that's that they needed to draft two wide receivers in this draft. Yeah. If you look at Cooper, I mean, I realize you just signed him to that contract, but it's not like he's some guy who's like never going to get hurt. Right. Like, you know, especially all the different injuries he's had hamstring, he had the foot, he had the knee, like, he had a lot going on. Michael Gallup got hurt a little bit. He's not an injury liability at all, you know, I don't think, but I was sitting there going, if Cedric Wilson's your number three wide receiver, go ahead. Let's load up here. So. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted them to get two wide receivers in the drafts, you know, either way. Uh, I just didn't think of it happening like that. And I I still thought when, when Atlanta took A.J. Terrell and they had their choice there, I just I just knew how much they liked Chase on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like one of those situations. I had another analogy that I kind of I kind of used. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense or not. But I kind of said Chase on's kind of like uh, – like the girl you were like, you know, maybe you, you like and you, you had a crush on maybe and she suddenly became available. Mm-hmm. But then right, uh, you know, as you're about to like approach her, uh, oh, wait, uh, this hot celebrity Hollywood girl is uh, right there, too. <laughs> it's like, you know what, I, I got to try that, right? I, right? I have to try this. I have to try this approach first. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's it, everything they wanted. They, they, they really liked him and wanted and what I'd heard too is that Chason really wanted to go to Dallas. Ah, okay. Was really stoked about it when he got picked at twenty to Jacksonville. I don't know if you saw in the dress at his house. It was the most somber draft pick. Oh no! Of the night, it was a guy who just looked depressed uh, when Jacksonville took him at twenty uh, at his house. There was no celebration or anything. It was like, dang it! Well, we knew. I, I think like it is it kind of crazy. Like. It, Nothing crazy happened in the top seventeen, so I'm not sure if I'm if I'm a bad if I did a bad job of talking about things because there's not too many crazy things happen in the top seventeen. No, about AJ Terrell maybe is the only one. I mean, yeah. I, I, four, four tackles went and AJ Terrell. I mean, there's not like a bunch of names that we hadn't discussed, right? You know, kind of. Kind of crazy that you know, leading up to this, I talked about it the whole time. So I don't think they're getting their guy at seventeen. I, I feel bad for doing that. Well, you know, it happens. You never know how the draft is going to play out, and you know, when you're when you're talking about it, you're you're trying to project what could happen or what's going to happen. And you know, I think kind of one of the unexpected things that I I felt happened was Isaiah Simmons to the Arizona Cardinals. I felt like where they were drafting, that they were surely going to take an offensive tackle. 
because they need to keep Kyler Murray upright. But I guess they saw him there and just felt like he was too good of a value to pass up uh, when they took him. But moving on to the Dallas Cowboys pick in the second round, I I think this is a a really great pick too because leading up to the, the draft several weeks before, you saw Trevon Diggs' name being mentioned as a possible first-round candidate for the Dallas Cowboys at 17. And to be able to get him at 51 is just incredible, right? Yeah, no, I think I think in most of their realistic mock draft-type scenario things that they were doing leading up to the draft, I think it was Chason and then Diggs. Like, if Chason wasn't there, that Diggs would have been their pick in, in round one. Yeah. Um, but... You know, the thing about Diggs, I, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of him at 17. Right. Uh, in fact, I would not have liked that at 17 at all. He's a guy, I think everyone's kind of been shocked that they drafted him at 51. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm shocked that A.J. Vanessa, the defensive edge of Iowa, won at 54. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm shocked that Christian Fulton, the cornerback from LSU, went at 61. Uh, a lot of those names, it kind of got jumbled in, you know. Right. So when they took him at 51, I just think he's a guy who we probably should have been talking about in that kind of lower 30s range, kind of mm-hmm. where I thought was a good spot for him, early second round. And getting him at 51 is excellent. And I think, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about you know, the fourth round pick in a minute, one of the fourth round picks in a minute. But, you know, with Cheeto and Jordan Lewis's contract coming up, it just makes so much sense to have Trevon Diggs there. Yes. Trevon Diggs, to me, could use a year of not like getting full-time like starter reps. Mm-hmm. Now I, I do want to open it up, but I do want to let him like, I do want to let him compete for the job. And I think this new regime is not just going to pencil someone in. I think there'll be full competition. So I think it's good that Cheeto, Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown don't have a starting spot. Trevon Dix can come in and compete for a job. I think what I would say though, is I, I think he's a guy who, who kind of gives the Cowboys what they want. Big bodies, fast, Will take chances, can track the ball. You know, I, I do worry a little bit about you know carrying guys over the middle of the field. I think he's more straight line athletic than he is that guy who can. You know, I, I worry about him on uh, you know on uh, in in routes and I guess that uh, dig routes. Mm-hmm. I worry about him on those kind of horizontal quick breaks. Okay. But that's why you have him playing outside. It's like you have you know have him playing in the nickel. You have him playing outside, and he could kind of. Just run with the bigger bodied guy. So I like the pick. I like him. I, I just, you know, I don't know if I, I, I'm slightly even at cornerback one, but, you know, it's a, that's a situation where, hey, if you, a lot of teams don't have a cornerback one. They just have a bunch of cornerbacks. Right. That's kind of where the Cowboys are. Yeah. Let them go fight for it. And this is where I also really loved in the in free agency the signing of Anthony Brown because, you know, it put them in a situation where it helped out their death chart at cornerback. It didn't force them to go, you know, cornerback earlier than maybe we thought. It didn't force right. them to do anything. Right. You still had three guys. Then you did sign Maurice Kennedy. And, uh, you know, you have C.J. Goodwin on the roster. and You don't want him playing much, but he's a good special teams guy. So, I like it. I, uh, you know, I don't love it. Just, I, I just didn't love the player on tape, but I like it. And he would have been one of my, you know, one of my top players there. Epinesa was probably my top player there. But this is a team that thought they needed cornerback help more than they needed edge rush help, and then mm-hmm. they had extra-graded higher. So, uh, yeah, good pick. Well, let's then let's talk about a player that you do love, and that's Reggie Robinson. And I believe if I if I'm if I remember right, you had a second-round grade on him. Is that correct? I absolutely did. Reggie Robinson is one of my favorite players in the draft. 
you know, there's a lot to like about him. And, and look, I, he played at Tulsa, but I don't want that to scare people away. He had some big games. Uh, and also competed at the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl, Oklahoma State, Michigan State. You know, he played some good competition. You know, 6'1", kind of arms make him be 6'2". He's got long arms, good wingspan. He's an aggressive guy. You know, he can turn and run with you down the field. The thing, a couple things about him that maybe you don't like is just he does kind of get you know high sometimes in the middle of the route. Maybe he get a little bit off balance and things like that. But this is a guy who's going to get in your face, be physical. He is going to get his hands in there and knock balls down. Um, I just, I, I think again, this is a team who's playing going going to play a more aggressive style of defense. Mm-hmm. They're going to want their corners taking chances. And he's going to do that. And I think he's going to end up making plays. So I think 13 passes defended last year, four interceptions. Uh, the ball production is there. My, I had a play. Uh, it's against uh, Oklahoma State. And for those that don't know, uh, Tylen Wallace at Oklahoma State is just an outstanding wide receiver. But he tore his ACL and ended up not being in the draft. But he probably would have been a top 10 to top 15 wide receiver in this draft. And that game is just a great game to show you what Reggie Robinson can do. But there's a play where Tyler, Tyler Wallace beats him for a minute, and Reggie Robinson catches up with him, and the ball's in the back of the end zone, just a deep ball, and you think Tyler Wallace has it, and Tyler Wallace is coming down with it, and Reggie Robinson's long arm is just in the cookie jar the whole time, hmm. knocks the ball out. I just he's a he's a good kid. He is uh, he actually from uh, lives in Cleburne. And he is, he's just a fantastic player, man. I, I thought there was a chance he could have gone you know, towards the end of round three. So I was thrilled when he was on the board at 123 and they took him. That, that's an outstanding pick. And look, you've remade your secondary right there. You know, you're, you've been losing bodies in free agency with Byron. Next year, you'll probably lose Cheeto and Jordan. You needed to kind of restock the cover, and they did. I'm, I'm glad they took two quarterbacks. And I'm really happy that one of those guys is Reggie Robinson. Yeah, they seem to find a couple guys that are going to compete. They're going to they're going to play hard. And they're going to play the ball really, really well. Yeah, which I think is you know for for all of Cheeto for all of what Cheeto does well, playing the ball is one of the things that's been a struggle for him. You know, he's he's provided good coverage. He just hasn't been a way to hasn't found a way to be able to find the ball, uh, especially yeah. if he's playing with his back to the ball. And so finding a couple guys that are going to be able to, you know, turn and run and then be able to turn their head and find the ball is going to be huge for the secondary moving forward. Uh, I, th- I think that was part of not bringing Byron back. And I, the Byron's price tag was reason A. Right. For not bringing Byron back. But B, I mean, I, I really think they made up their mind. He's just not a turnover guy. Right. And like, okay, we've, we've distinguished you as that. And I think with Cheeto, they're kind of doing the same thing. He's not a turnover guy. And the way this defense is now, it's, it's less about, all right, everyone just play your assignment. Now this defense is going to be more about confusing defenses. It's a couple things about Trevon uh, Diggs and even Reggie Robinson. Fast enough, too, that you can kind of do some things with them on quarterback blitz situations. Okay. You know, you barely see Byron blitz too much, although he was pretty good at it. Jordan Lewis is a pretty good blitzer. And Jordan Lewis seems to find the ball. But, you know, Reggie Robinson and Trevon Diggs are going to be guys who play the ball. They turn their head. It's not something you have to develop with them. Yeah, that's what they have to – they're still trying to develop with with Cheeto, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's some guys who are just like, hey, the way they've done it, the way they've been taught all their life, 
is to play the eyes and play the hands. Yeah. You know, instead of turning and looking for the ball. And and I think I think with Mike Nolan and this new defensive style, I just feel like the way they play. I mean, if you looked at Rod Marinelli, his his you know blitzing, you know, go to the Cowboys. Where weren't they ranking the blitzing percentage as a team? Well, they were. You know, generally they were below league average. Right. They were pretty. And low. How often they blitz? Mike Nolan's going to be more towards kind of that tenth to fifteenth in the league, mm-hmm. and how much they blitz in terms of blitz percentage. They're going to be doing a lot more stuff defensively. And that's only going to help their secondary because if you're if you're forcing the quarterback to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, then your corners aren't having to cover as long. And they're going to be able to be a little bit more aggressive on the outside as well. It's, it opens up the doors for chaos. Yeah. And that's and, a good thing. And, and if you're not terrified, and, and I, I say this with all due respect to Jason Garrett and just his football DNA and what he thinks about football, but if you're not terrified of giving up an 80-yard play and you understand, hey, that's part of football, it happens, mm-hmm. you know, it, it changes the whole outlook of how you play defense. This right. team's going to give up more big, bigger plays. Yep. And it's going to be frustrating to fans. But you know what? If you look at it the way they're going to look at it, and I think C.D. Lamb helps this transition a little bit too. Oh, what? We just gave up a 75-yard touchdown pass? Okay, well, we have the ball now. Like, right. the, the the mode with McCarthy, this is, look, I, I've, I've been uh, critical of the McCarthy hire. It's less about McCarthy and more about you know, just not looking around at some other candidates, like making a quick decision, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was what it was about to me. But, you know, the way that they're going to play is going to be a breath of fresh air because he's trying to score 40 points a game. Like, they're going to be aggressive offensively too. And I think that's going to be – it's, it's going to be way different than the Jason Garrett style of, okay, let's see if we can get up by seven or ten points and then run the clock out, you know? Right. Like – Dude, we just saw this in the Super Bowl, even. Like, San Francisco got up by 10 in the fourth quarter, and they gave it up. Like, you can't you can't play like that in this league. There's just too many high-powered offenses, and now you're one of them. So, Yeah, teams are going to have a really, really hard time keeping up with the Dallas Cowboys. And, yeah. and even, I think, some of what they did with a, a couple of other picks that they made is to emphasize the fact that they're, they're planning on playing with leads and big leads. And so you draft somebody like Neville Gallimore, who maybe is still kind of a raw run defender out of Oklahoma, but has a really good first step. And he's an explosive player, and he's going to be able to generate some some push on the pass rush. And then a guy like Bradley and I, who, for the life of me, I don't understand how he lasted to the fifth round, or the comp, the comp pick in the fifth round. Um, yeah, you know, well, what, 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 I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What did I say with Gallimore, and you saw this from Oklahoma. I've watched a lot of Oklahoma games. You know, I think he's a perfect replacement from Malik Collins mm-hmm. to get some of those interior defensive line snaps. When you look at Gallimore, I mean, uh, well, well, first of all, Malik Collins was top. I don't know if he was ever gotten praised for this as much as he probably should have. He was top 15 in the league in pressures as an interior defensive lineman. Yes, he was a good rush but, tackle. Yeah, and he was a liability in the run game. And I think... You're going to have a little bit of that with Gallimore. I'm not sure how great he's going to be at anchoring down, but he doesn't need to be playing. You know, sometimes in Oklahoma they play him uh, at the one technique, or they right. play him at the nose, and it's like, hey, he doesn't need to play there. But you know, in college, you kind of get away with some things. Right. You know, he's going to be strictly a three technique here, and maybe I, he bumps inside on third on passing downs. Yeah. 
as he should be. I kind of I kind of hypothesized that at least in year one on passing down, sliding Gerald Gerald McCoy over to be your one technique because he's probably more readily yeah. prepared to take on those double teams, allow Gallimore to just rush against guards and just see what happens. I also think, look, you needed the body too. Like, Antoine Woods is on the roster, but we like we know he's a good, solid rotational, you know, DT. But you don't want him playing a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with um, Tristan Hill, I mean, there's no there's no problem cutting the cord on that relationship if he's not ready to go. Right. And I don't know. I'm in the boat of kind of questionable about if we're going to have a training camp or not, but. If Tristan Hill is not kicking ass at training camp, like I don't understand. Like I, I don't think you have to guarantee him a job. Nope. I mean, if he's if he's dead weight, I think you just go ahead and and move on. And you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not a big believer in that that Alden Smith and Randy Gregory should be counted on at this point. Right. I just think you wait and, and see. There's a reason that Alden Smith has zero money guaranteed until he plays in a game. Mm-hmm. Like. He's got to make the team first before he even is a commitment. Right. So let's wait and see how he is. And I just, it's less about the off the field stuff and more about the fact that he's five years out, you know, from right. playing. Right. And with Randy, again, he's not reinstated yet. And you haven't heard anything about him getting reinstated. So I don't know like, how I feel about that either. So, yeah, those but two. I, I, I just think I get it. Gallimore, that pick there. I had a second round grade on him. I just thought that was a really good value once again. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And sometimes I can let my Oklahoma bias kind of kick in, I think, as we all do. But, um, yeah, I thought to get him in the third round was really, really nice. Uh, if, if they would have drafted him at, at 51, I think there's, you know, uh, rationale for that pick there, but it's even better at, at 82. Now tell me, what was up with Bradley and I? What made him fall so far? I think, you know, for him, just he's just so stiff, you know? He's a, he's unathletic, and it's, you know, we've seen these unathletic guys fall. In fact, A.J. Epinesa is a good, good example. I mean, he was my number two edge rusher in the drafts, but you know, I thought he had a really productive you know, career at Iowa, even even though he only had one full year of starting last year. Epinesa falls all the way to 54, and a league that needs pass rushers. How does that happen? Well, he's right. not that athletic. Yeah. Um, same thing with Anai. Good pass rusher, 30 sacks over the last three years at Utah, 40 tackles for a loss, uh, a game-smart guy. You know, It feels like he always knows where the football is going, where the quarterback's going to be. He has to get off the ball. If he gets off the ball, he can help make up for his lack of burst and bend off the edge. And you'll see him. He's a good snap anticipator. He kind of has a knack for when the ball's going to be snapped and things like that. But he is, and he's got good strong hands, which is very helpful too. But he's just so slow, you know, around the around the edge when he's making his making his rounds to get to the quarterback. That they kind of, I think that probably pushed him back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you feel like where they got him with that comp fifth, that's a, a pretty good pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had, I, I had him at a third-round grade on him. Uh, he was kind of at the back of the third round on my third-round grade. But I, he was in my boat of third-round grades, and they got him with the final pick in the fifth round. So yeah. another great value. Yeah. And, and, and you may be setting it up, but even Beadish, uh the center that they traded for, like – 
I had a third round grade on him. They got him in the last pick of the fourth round. So it was all value shopping, man. Great job. Yeah, and that's that was gonna be my next question. And it just seems like this is a this is a guy that is gonna be able to come in and and compete for potentially the starting center job. I mean, I, I don't think anybody anticipated them using a pick on a center with Joe Looney, Connor McGovern, and even Connor Williams and Adam Adam Redman as options. But now you've got a guy who is very highly thought of, at least on the collegiate level, who could come in and, and be your next starting Wisconsin center. Yeah, you know where I'm at on this. and I, I think when you talk about the versatility of Connor Williams – like, okay, yeah, I want him to go win the left guard spot, but if he can't do that, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about his versatility outwards at a tackle mm-hmm. than, than I am at center. Right. So Looney and McGovern are kind of my guard center types. Williams is my guard tackle type. And Vietas can go in there and compete. Yeah. Uh, and, hey, if he is ready to go and gets the job done. I mean, I think Joe Looney's your starting center. I don't think there's any. And I think the big fight, the big fight is McGovern and 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 uh, you know Connor Williams. But you know, with Tyron's health, I would like Connor Williams to be my swing tackle. If McGovern came in and won the job at left guard, that'd be great. You know, I'd love to do that. But you know, Connor Williams to get dibs on winning the left guard job, so it kind of stretches everything out. But I think you have so much versatility on that O line do a lot of stuff there so i'm really a big fan of going up and getting that guy i'm a big fan of identifying a guy you like and going to get it too and yeah jerry said mccarthy was in on that I, hey we like this guy man dude the wisconsin offensive linemen they all they all are just so good right like you, you, you don't they don't miss very often yes yeah, this does have athletic limitations but god you watch it play and you watch how many you, you look at you know the, the holes Jonathan Taylor had to run through. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of outside plays. It was a lot of just ran tee up the middle. And you see Beatish clearing out room. Um, you know, you worry about him on plays where you got to get outside and run and take on guys one-on-one in space. You worry about that with a lot of those kind of big school, you know, uh, big 10 school, you know, offensive lineman guys. Yeah. He's those bigger guys. His strength is a bit of an issue sometimes. If you watch a game against uh, one of the games against uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin got ahead, and then very quickly, Ohio State started moving Chase Young, you know, right in front of him. Oh, dear. And it's like, okay, we're going to beat this guy with quickness. There was an adjustment that he didn't handle very well, as most people wouldn't. Because quite frankly, it took Wisconsin a minute to adjust to it. I know once they finally saw, oh, oh, wait, they found a way to help him out, but that was the move. Like, oh, like. Ohio State kind of identified him as kind of a weak point. I still like his tape. Uh, I know Ohio State just needs to try something. I you know when he's getting game plans, you know, double team and triple team chipped up there. Well, let's move him inside and let him. Which, by the way, I think that's something you'll see the Cowboys do. I don't know if Demarcus Lawrence will move much, but you know, I think you'll see some of these guys move around a little bit. Like, oh, we got a week we're playing against a bad center. Our center's got a bad shoulder. All right, let's uh. Just move one of these guys on the inside, and maybe you see Alden Smith move in front of them. Like, I don't think it's just going to be the standard lined up 4-3. I know that was a long way to get there from Beatish talk, but <laughs> I was just reminded of that on tape, yeah. and I, I didn't want to leave that out. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see potentially where this offensive line competition can go because 
basically what they can do is just, all right, who are our two best guys at those two spots? They don't have to be kind of locked into any, you know, any one person at center and left guard. They can say, you know, if, if uh, Connor McGovern's our best center and Connor Williams is our best left guard, we can go with that. And if it's Joe Looney and Connor McGovern, we're good there. And if it's Beatish and Connor McGovern, we're good there. And I mean, I think competition is going to, going to be a good thing for that interior. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm looking forward to this this new coaching staff and a more aggressive philosophy, a philosophy that's going to try to identify weaknesses, um, both offensively and defensively, as opposed to yeah. just sitting back and like this is what we do, we do it really well, and we're just going to beat you at what we do. Yeah, no, I agree. That's going to be a breath of fresh air. The other thing I'll say about which I'm just kind of competing too. Look, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen on training camp. No one's really been through this before. Right. But if there's ever a year to expect people to show up out of shape, I think this is the one. Mm-hmm. True. So we'll see which guys are ready to go and take care of themselves in the offseason because I, for one, don't think you're going to get a traditional mini camp and OTAs. So I don't think that's going to happen, you know? Right. And who knows if, if, like you said, if there will even be a training camp or if the season will even start on time. There's still a lot a lot of unknowns out there uh, due to COVID-19. And as there should be, everybody should continue to you know do their social distancing and um, stay home as they can. And, um, but hey, it was a very exciting draft weekend. Very quickly, if you were going to give a grade to this draft class, how would you rate it? Uh, a plus. And now, of course, crazy about that, I'm, not, I'm not sure they have the best draft of all the teams, but a plus. Yeah. For where they were picking, you know, picking in the middle of the first round and, and middle of each round to get the value that they got. It's, it's pretty incredible. Now, of course, we've got to wait a couple years to make sure that all these guys pan out like we think that they will. Um, but yeah, excellent, excellent weekend of the draft. And you guys did an excellent job on the draft show on Thursday night. Really enjoyed that. Thank um, you. And uh yeah, just looking forward to already to next year, kind of. I mean, I want to play a season, but the draft is definitely a lot of fun. No, it sure is. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it might be the – I like the way it was done. I, I thought the NFL did it right, you know. I thought there was sure to be some failures, uh, but it was actually pretty great. <laughs> getting, getting in everyone's house. Yep. It was a little intrusive, but uh, I was okay with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It actually, it actually made Roger Roger Goodell a little bit likable. I don't yeah. know. I don't know why. Like sitting, seeing him like sit leaning back in his, you know, his big leather, you know, uh, armchair with his M and M's, and I don't know. There's, just, he, I just, I was enjoying watching him just kind of casual Roger Goodell. It was really fun. It, it's kind of crazy on night two as the night got late as he continued like his life battery was losing power. <laughs> right. Because the other night he was kind of leaning back on that chair. Yeah. At first he was like trying to actually, you know, not just read off the cards and at the beginning of the night, but then by the end of the night he didn't even care. He was just he was just looking straight at the cards and reading them word for word. So, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I actually hope that we get a little bit more of that next year, even if they do go back to a normal draft setup. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's it's fun, and I know they they got a lot of initiatives. And on day three, they let a lot of different people make picks. I understand that, but sometimes it just it just kind of bogs down. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I feel like the flow was pretty good this year. Yeah, it was it was an enjoyable watch, that's for sure. Well, KT, man, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk the NFL draft with us. Uh, we hope we can get you back on at some point if we get a preseason and, and we'll talk more Cowboys football. Happy to do it, man. Thanks a lot for having me, and uh, good luck uh, to everyone out there doing all this uh, weird weird time. Uh, hopefully we'll kind of... Hopefully with a few more weeks of just kind of staying away from each other, hopefully we can kind of get us back to normal as we can, uh, as we used to be and things will come back. I miss baseball. So I got, yes. kind of want all everything to come back to normal, but that's right. Just got to do the right thing for a few more weeks. I think that's right. Even as things open up, y'all just take, keep taking your precautions, keep doing the things you're supposed to do, wear your masks, use your hand sanitizer, stay home unless you need to go out. Um, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll get back to being America at some point. That's right. All right. That's hey, right. y'all make sure to go follow KT on Twitter at KT Fun Tweets. Go listen to him on 97.1 The Eagle in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, and then go check out the About Them Cowboys podcast on The Athletic. You can download it on Apple, but you've got to make sure you get that subscription to The Athletic so you can get all of the episodes. Make sure y'all do that. KT, thanks again. Hope you have a great week, man. Hey, you as well. Take care, man. Really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.